Welcome to Tech London, a show featuring interviews with London's top creative entrepreneurs, startups, investors, design agencies, internet marketers, and freelancers that make up the Tech London online community, which mostly lives on the Slack instant messaging platform. We rotate through both hosts and guests for these interviews, so you have the chance to hear from multiple perspectives on London's tech scene. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode. I've lost count here, folks, but another episode of the Tech London podcast in 2023. And I know we're supposed to be interviewing people from London, but I, I couldn't resist inviting Tracy onto our thing because he's a, I know, he remembers when the internet first started. So, so Tracy, what are you known for and what would you like to be known for? Hey, Vernie. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Tracy Childers, and I guess I'm probably most known for uh, some software that I've created in the past. And right now, my current company is called Wishlist Member, and it runs as a WordPress plugin so that anybody that's running WordPress on their website uh, can create their own membership site. Thus, and gee, Tracy, how many people have used signed up for that over the how many active users have you got because it says on the front of the website but you know. well it's it's difficult to keep track of it all uh we started in 2008 and um so over that time i think we sold it to approximately uh 40,000 different people but some people put it on more than one site so it has been downloaded and activated um a little over 100 hundred thousand times, hundred, hundred and ten or 50. I kind of keep, I kind of lose track. I mean, I like, I like the way you say generally like, Oh, over a hundred thousand times. That's a, that's a, I mean, that is a lot for, I I think that's amazing for, you know, if I sold a hundred thousand, anything I'd be over the moon, but there's the, what, what I find fascinating about that is the, is the, the marketplaces or humankind's understanding of the membership and how it's evolved. And I've seen, you know, I've been watching, I joined 2008 was when I joined meetup. Um, and I've just, and you know, work a lot in coworkers. I've always seen how and watched the ocean, if you like, of how community and membership things and evolves. And when, when do you think, so let's get to the origin story first, because that's very interesting because you started out as one thing and then went on to another thing. And then I'll say what I was going to, ask you well how did it you know you and Stu were sitting sure. around going we got to do this what, what yeah, happened then so so um uh just to put it in reference Stu is uh, a good friend of mine named Stu mclaren and uh i grew up um maybe my early teens um i had a father who was into teaching people how to invest in real estate and back in the day i mean that basically translates into infopreneuring meaning yes he did a lot of uh investing in real estate but then he also taught other people how to do it so once you have a skill that you can teach to others, it's very profitable to sell that information to others so that they don't have to figure it out all on their own. And just growing up, I was exposed to the infopreneuring world. Um, then as I uh, got out of college, I started uh, doing some you know, technical and database consulting for small businesses and stuff. But I was always interested in the infopreneuring space. 
And so as my career carried on, you mentioned, I remember when uh, the internet was uh, starting to take off and I just, I just remember saying, I'm going to figure this internet thing out, you know? And I didn't know exactly what that meant. Uh, back then I thought I had to figure out how to do anything and everything. Like I thought I had to create my own autoresponder and all sorts of things. And I finally realized, well, there's a bunch of tools that other people have created. And those tools can be used by many people for many different things. And so I recognized that I was really interested in tech technology and uh, that whole concept. So then I got into software development and I created um, uh, an application that back when I was doing this, it was, it was really the big thing that everyone was talking about. And it was, how do you put video online? And it was uh, right before this little company came along where you could put video online and it was called YouTube. Turns out uh, that the way they did it was, you know, a little bit more popular than the way we were doing it. But I sold, I sold a video converting tool to thousands and thousands of people. And that went on for, you know, almost, almost 10 years. But I was uh, looking at doing something new, something that would be completely online, not, not a desktop application. And my friend, uh, Stu McLaren and I were talking. And he had been trying uh, to create a membership site. At the time, a lot of people were talking about membership sites. And he tried to use a tool that was very, very difficult to use, very, very difficult to set up. Also, around the same time, people were talking about uh, this system called WordPress, which would make it a lot easier to create your content online. And so there's like, what is available so that we could run a membership site within WordPress. And there wasn't really any clear cut option. So I said, Hey, why don't, why don't we build something? And he's like, I don't think you heard me use, I had a hard time just configuring this thing. I don't know how I'm going to build something. And I said, well, you know, I've been doing software development, not me, I'm not a programmer, but I had established a team and I felt confident that we could build just about anything. And so that's where the idea came from. And, um, early, uh, it was probably mid 2008 when we started talking about it. And we probably launched the first version around October of 2008 and, it uh, was pretty well received. Well, did, um, back that about that time, I think it was like 2009, I got a WordPress site and, and I just thought it was like a blogger thing. And I remember a few years later, um, as a friend of mine runs a, it's a huge, like documentary filmmaking company nowadays. But when they said, Oh, we, you know, we're going to get one of those WordPress sites. I was so surprised that he was using a blog site for his, for his company. And, you know, that's, that's what it all runs on now. But that, those, those early days of, cause we, we, for a long time, me and Andy ran a thing called London bloggers meetup. And, mm. you know, that was the reason I got into that was to find out how to use WordPress, which I kind of never did, but I, I know enough to be slightly dangerous, but, um, <laughs> it was, it was, I was always enthralled of people having those, how are you going to build this kind of things? So what, um, where, where did you go from there? Cause you, what was, what, what, yeah. what kind of happened between 2008 and 2011 to make it take off? Yeah, so that's that's a great point that you bring up, Bernie. And uh, back then, people were 
also talking about blogging, right? I think there was a blogger, which was the, the one by Google. And the concept before was if you wanted to build a website, you had to write all this HTML code and then you had to upload it with these tools, FTP to, to transfer your files. And it was really, really techy. And so the concept of a blog came out, which was a web blog and people were saying, Oh, well, we just, um, I'm just going to type in whatever I want to say pretty much in paragraph format. And, uh, I'll throw some pictures in there and then I'll post it and then I'll do that again. And it, that was basically a web log. And so all these things were posts. And so people called it a blog. Well, what happened was I don't think that everybody expected that WordPress was not just a blog. It, it really became more of what you call a CMS, which is a content management system, because there was a big difference between saying, I'm going to make a post every day and I can categorize these posts and I'll talk about this and all these posts will go there. But then they started creating pages and pages now became Oh, well, this is the home page of my website. Well, this is the about us page of my website. This is the contact us. And so as WordPress kept getting more and more sophisticated, they were very smart about it. And they said, you know what? We can't do everything, but we know what needs to be at the core of this system. And so obviously, Everybody's going to want their sites to look different. So then came along the theme. So then they let other people start selling themes that people could just upload and say, I'm using WordPress. You can use this theme and your site will look this way. And then they also had plugins and they said, Hey, I'd like for my site to do this. And we we're like, okay, we'll just go get a plugin and the plugin uh, would add the functionality. So that's where things were really kind of taking off because prior to us going in, most all of the companies were selling themes and very few were selling plugins. There were a lot of free plugins, but, um, there were really not very many what you call premium plugins where it was people that were creating real functionality. One of the most popular ones back there was Gravity Forms. Yeah. And so, you know, they, they said we can make any kind of a form with our plugin. So, um, between 2008, when we first got started in 2011, back to your question, is we really didn't do uh, any paid advertising. It was really just starting to spread by word of mouth. We started an affiliate program and really started spreading quite a bit. And then, you know, it's just like any any business that you uh, want to start, the hardest thing in the world to do is to establish momentum. And we just really got the momentum going quickly. And so between 2008, 2011, we were growing really, really quickly uh, for, for many, many different reasons. So that, that's one of, I'm, I'm tempted to ask about the early days of WordPress. And I remember things like Woo Themes and Studio Press and how exciting yeah. all that was. That was, that was like, uh, get, I get very nostalgic. I've been talking a lot about that era with um, different, I, I posted something on LinkedIn and a load of people chimed in who I hadn't spoken to for ages. Like, oh, do you remember that? It was, it was like one of the first, the first few co-working spaces in London around that time. And they were saying things that I'd just completely forgotten about. But as you, as you got, this is the bit I think is 
which I actually wanted to like get into um, is as you got that momentum and you'd started this thing with Stu and, you know, you built a team and it just, there's a whole mental journey that I know loads of people listening to this will be going on and they don't know it yet, or they are on or they've been on. Um, and what, another podcast, which we'll link to in the show notes, which was with Thor and they are a, a health activist. And we talked a lot about, you know, state of mind while you're building, developing, prospecting, selling, and just holding it all together. And that is a, as a founder or whatever you want to call yourself, you know, that's a very, very lonely place. And I remember you saying, um, you know, about imposter syndrome as well. And Lord knows I've got that going on all the time. (laughs) How do you, how do you, how did you, what's your story around that area? Well, you know, I'll say something real quick, just back about the nostalgia of the early word WordPress days. You mentioned Woo Themes, and most people won't know what that is. They would have heard of WooCommerce. Uh, Woo Themes uh, was actually a company that built a bunch of themes, and the most interesting part about that was that they had created a membership and you could buy any of their themes or you could join the membership and you would get a new theme every month. And so we started looking at that and we're like, wait a minute, nobody is doing this for plugins. So that's actually how we really started it. We wanted to be the first plugin of the month club. And in order to do that, we really needed to have a membership plugin. And so that's kind of the birth of how we got Wishlist Member going. Now, you said a few really key and important things, uh, Bernie. And um, one thing that's had a huge impact on me uh, in my career is uh, traveling and getting out and attending live events. Um, because, you know, I, I do have some friends that I've, uh, just met online and, uh, you know, we've, we've had zoom meetings and stuff. Um, but I have far fewer of those friends than I do, uh, friends that I've met face to face. And I met those at live events and at one of those live events, I saw a speaker speaking and he, and he had a big quote on his slide and it hit me like a ton of bricks and it said, isolation kills entrepreneurs. And he said it again, isolation kills entrepreneurs. And I, I sat there and I was just writing this down in my notebook and I was like, man, he's so right. Because, you know, when you establish a team you have people that you're talking to on a regular basis every day. You know, um, I'm, you know, have moved a few times and it's like, uh, Hey, I'm sitting in the same chair at the same desk, working on the same computer, talking to the same people. So it wasn't that much of a different, but at the time when you're really first getting started, the person that you're talking to the most is yourself. And so if you don't get out and talk to other people who are creative and give you energy, you're going to be stuck and you better hope that that one person that you're talking to, you're talking in a positive way because when you don't, that's when imposter syndrome kicks in. And I've talked to a lot of my friends who've been very successful and it happens to all of us, you know, and I know that there's probably some people 
listening to this right now, <laughs> this will actually be a, a funny, really quick story. I was talking to somebody on my team and he's like, yeah, but, but I have, I have imposter syndrome. And, and I said, um, well, yeah, I have imposter syndrome too. So I get it. And he goes, no, but I really have it. I was like, no, I really have it. You know, so a lot of times in our minds, we trick ourselves into thinking, no, I'm the only one that really has this. And if you really dig down, the majority of successful people have experienced it in some way, shape or form. And it's just a matter of finally figuring out, hey, I got to get past this. This is just one obstacle that's going to come my way. And if I'm going to be successful, I'm going to have to learn to get around obstacles. Yeah. There's, there's, um, going back to last year, there's, um, Judy Porticus who, who she's, I'll link to it in the show notes as well. She, I, I met her via London bloggers meetup and I didn't realize how she built her company till I read her book. So I'd known her as kind of, you know, someone I know from a meetup, but I know she was a publisher and we'd have coffee and stuff. And then when her book came out, I realized she started her publishing company from her spare bedroom in Wanstead in London, in which is like Staten Island in New York, um, in 1978 with just a telephone and wow. build it into. She she published Seth Godin's first books in the UK and Dave Allen's Getting Things Done mm-hmm. and a load of other you know stuff that's you know and and then she sold it and I and I remember her before I knew this the whole story. Um, I met her once and she said, Oh, you look really down. And I was like, Oh, I'm really depressed. I've got imposter syndrome and everything like that. And she goes, everyone I've ever met in my life, Mitchell has had some of that shit. So, you know, Hmm. you're not, you're not weird. And (laughs) that's just how it is. But there there was, um, as you're saying that, is there, I I asked this so many times, but how did you, how do you get past imposter syndrome? Do you, Cause everyone wants to know that there's, there's so many events and groups and meetups I've been to and everyone's like, Oh, how do you cure it? Like it's a pill you can take that's available in the drugstore. But like, what's the reality for you? Yeah. I don't know that there's any one uh, particular thing. I, I think that it's, it's a combination of things. And I do know uh, that when I'm feeling at my peak, I'm doing a lot of other things that are, um, contributing to that one being exercise uh another uh getting out of the house <laughs> uh just just doing regular things you know really bernie I, you know uh we were all affected by covid uh and the whole pandemic in a in a big way and i've talked to a lot of my friends that were entrepreneurs and asked them and they said i, I experienced the exact same thing i had I had done very well working from home and I've done that for 25 years, but you know, on the weekends or during the middle of the week, I was getting out and uh, doing all kinds of other things. And then when that shut down, it just made it that much harder. And, um, you have to recognize, um, that in order for you to be effective, you, it, it sounds cliche, but it's just like the airlines, you have to put on your own oxygen mask first. So, um, you know, if, 
whatever that means to you, uh, it might be saying, Hey, I'm going to take a 15 minute break right in the middle of the day, just so that I can listen to some music just because I want to, because that's what I think I need. And everybody's in a different situation, but you got to start paying attention, uh, to what you need and, uh, make sure that you, uh, do that. That's, that's so true. These in, in lockdown, um, my wife, worked for the NHS and so our son was able to go to school while when all the schools were closed because he was you know my wife was a, a key worker and if I hadn't have had to have left the house every morning and take him to school and go and pick him up I would have been that was what kept me alive yeah um and then um that's why I'm that's why I'm so big into co-working because uh like getting out the house like the uh, in, in london it's like three 250 to 350 pounds for a desk in like around the old street area and that 350 pounds i know not everyone can afford that so it's not like i'm printing money but you know the 350 pounds to go and sit in a desk with other human beings is a way better investment than sitting at home getting imposter syndrome, you know, yeah. and, and the, the flip, uh, you know, the flip mentally is, it's one of those things you don't know it's true till it happens to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that, that was, you know, not being around people was horrific. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word to describe it, you know, like, you know, be, being, not being allowed to be around people was um, more horrific than I thought it was. I hope that came out right. Because yeah, you, you know, you you uh, brought something up earlier, and you mentioned uh, my previous uh, partner, Stu McLaren. One of the things that I remember him teaching people uh, about membership sites specifically, and this is applicable to um, uh, the co-working and everything, is uh, people come for the content but they stay for the community, and I just think that we're just all so wired to crave a community. And so that's why I've always been kind of interested in what you're doing with the co-working space and, and uh, kudos to you and all your colleagues for all you've done. Thank you. Well, so that, that is, uh, that come for the content and stay for the community. Cause that is something that, you know, uh, online businesses suffer with or co- are confused about. And everyone's always confused. There, there, there's this like promise of community on the internet and everyone's like, yeah, we'll do this. And then, you know, there's there's so many Slack channel, WhatsApp, Facebook group, LinkedIn things that are just, you know, membership sites that are just absolutely dead. And it's like I'm trying to trip wire into getting into my community. But then, you know, there's other there's other, you know, online communities I'm in that I would I would pay just to be in the community. But if you try to articulate that, why should I pay to be in there? Well, when you get in there, you know, it hasn't got it hasn't got Gary Vaynerchuk and, you know, Brenny Brown in there, but it nearly. Um, so if you give me this, but what, what happens? So, you know, I come in because of the content and then I stay to the community and in your experience, but I think what we're going to ask is like, where do people mess up that step there? Yeah. I think the biggest part that they mess up is they, uh, don't focus on the engagement. Um, so let's just say that I had created a software, um, that runs the best 
community you could possibly imagine. It's all, all the features are better than Facebook, right? And I was like, hey, here it is. Okay, go. You guys can use it now without anybody that's a leader that's kind of stirring up conversation. It just becomes crickets, right? So as you uh, are establishing a community, there's got to be some sort of leadership. That doesn't mean that you have to be the one to do everything and start all the conversations. You don't have to reply to everyone. Um, but people like, it's kind of like that, um, that um, show, uh, the sitcom show cheers, right? People, everybody wants to go where everybody knows your name, oh, you know? Right. So if you can create um, an engaging community where people actually want to talk to each other, that's the biggest key of the whole thing. I think, let me ask you this. I've always felt it's just come to me as you're saying that, that like in, like in tech London, if, which it is, is, you know, is run by people who are part of the community rather than like in London co-working assembly. Um, there are some very nice people that show up who don't run co-working spaces. And we have to be very careful saying about the London co-working assembly, which is for people who run co-working spaces. Cause otherwise loads of people that want to sell to co-working spaces turn up mm, and yeah. like academics turn up. And, and most of those people are completely harmless and they're really, really nice and contribute to the community and get it. But sometimes if we're not careful, we'll end up with a room that's 75% vendors and 25% um, entrepreneurs or, you know, co-working space owners and then the co-working space owners going i'm not going there because it's just full of people who want to sell to me and it kills the dynamic but you know what there was a question in there sorry tracy <laughs> what's the best way to establish a community that doesn't get that you know who, who should lead a community you know i'm not totally sure about that bernie uh i know <laughs> when you were saying that it reminded me of um there in the states there are there's an it's probably the same in the UK. Uh there's an organiz organization called Toastmasters. Yeah. And Toastmasters is a place where people establish a group and they come and people practice giving speeches. And um one of my friends uh invited me to come one time and you know that they were very nice and uh, everything went well but then they're like, "You know what? This particular group is specifically for people that are involved in real estate, real estate professionals, whether that be an agent, um, a contractor or whatever. And I had nothing to do with the uh, real estate industry. And it was like, you know, there, here are some other ones that we think you might be a good fit. And it was just a personal um, preference of theirs to say, we're, we're going to establish some guidelines. And so I think that some people are going to stick to certain guidelines. Other people are going to be a little bit more flexible, but I will tell you that once you make some decisions, you really have to stick to them. And that can sometimes be uh, the way your community interacts with each other. And you tell people, Hey, we're not going to have any negative uh, talk against each other. And just letting you know that if you, um, don't follow these guidelines, you will be removed from the community. And sometimes that's really important. So back to your question, who, who should be the leader? It can be anybody, you, you know, I could be a leader of a community, but I don't have to be the face of the community. I might say, Oh, I want, I've heard of, um, um, 
uh, membership company that was about, um, golfing and some guy, I don't, I don't know how good of a golfer he was. He was a good marketer and established this community and he got one of the professionals, uh, to be the face of it. And then, you know, it grew and then there were some problems and there was, there was a big conflict. So the, Second version of it was, Hey, we're going to establish this golfing, uh, membership and we're not going to rely on any one person to be the face, but somebody's kind of got to be in charge. Just like any big company, uh, there's typically a CEO. Uh, a lot of these bigger companies, we recognize the names of the CEOs, but there's a lot of companies that you have no idea who, uh, is running it. You just know the brand name. And so somebody's always got to be the leader. Yeah, I think I think it's I, I'm I'm just I know it works really well, but I am put off by um, people that uh, like have to headline it. Like one one thing I like about Tech London is you know on the website it just says Tech London. It doesn't say mm-hmm. you know the people. It doesn't say about you know Jonathan who started it and Gus and um, Simon Edwards and other people that contribute to it at the moment. It's a very you know this is this is us kind of thing. So um. One one last little question I want to squeeze in is, which I think will be really useful to people listening, is your team have been with you for a long time. And I know there's been some changes throughout it all, but like, what is the, you know, if I was, if you're on a panel at an event and someone said, gee, Tracy, how do I keep my team? Um, what, <laughs> what What do you think? Other than like not throwing things at them, you know, I, I imagine they're all remote. Is that, I'm guessing. Yeah. 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 Well, it's an excellent and, and very important question, Bernie. And, um, you know, there's been times when I, I don't, I've questioned myself, what, what is it that has kept people around so long? And, uh, one of the biggest things is that, uh, we are providing flexibility. People do want to work remotely. Um, we have, uh, quite a few people overseas. And so, uh, you know, we have a lot of people that are in the Philippines and, you know, some entrepreneurs would say, Oh man, you could get people in the Philippines for, for next to nothing. Here's, you have to pay them X. Right. And, uh, I would rather pay more than the other people so that they have a better job than what they could get with anybody else. It's not like we're, we're paying, you know, crazy numbers, but we typically do pay a little bit more than what most people are paying. Um, but we also, we actually had a meeting earlier today and a question like that came up. We, we have a, a, we call it a daily huddle and we uh, have a different question of the day and people take turns running the meeting. And um, one of the uh, things we were talking about is how do you um, uh, create productivity and build up other team members? And I think that it ultimately comes down with uh, treating people with respect, respect, and treating them the way that you would want to be treated. Um, because uh, surprisingly enough, that's not how most people uh, treat uh, the people that work for them. Um, people will do so many things for you when they know that you care about them. Um, if they're if if they think they're just a number and they're just part of uh, a job, they're not going to be around for very long. 
we try to create as much open communication as we possibly can. How, how does it work with the a different person running the meeting? Because that is every remote team I've ever been part of. There's there's always like a, even before COVID and everything, it was just really hard to get the energy in the online space. Mm-hmm. And when people are fatigued, like you know, our, our team shut down early and came back later because you know we all we all like each other and we're not like in some high octane boiler room kind of environment but we were just you know even even you know even the leaders on the team were asking people to do things and they they didn't even want to ask to do them because we were so drained yeah so you know expecting someone else to do what we didn't even want to ask that was very complicated sentence but you know you know what i mean so how do you keep the energy in the team and that that moving you know, different person running each section sounds, uh, each meeting sounds good. Well, so this one's a little bit different, Bernie. Uh, we still have probably weekly meetings, uh, with certain departments. Okay. So, uh, we'll have a meeting that's for development of a particular product. And there's one specific person that is assigned to that and they lead that, that meeting every week. Um, there's one for the support team and then another product. And those are the leaders of that group. And those are typically like, Hey, we're talking about this product right here. Um, this other one that I'm talking about is the da- daily huddle. We have a series of, um, topics and, you know, your company core values. And some other things that are all, all um, things that are positive. We also start with a positive focus of the day and everybody goes with a really quick saying, hey, this is what I'm uh, it's positive going on for me right now. And that's sometimes just what's going on in your personal life or something that you were doing within work and uh, a quick win or, or something like that. And in the beginning, when we started doing this, and it's a very short meeting, it's, a, you know, less than 30 minutes or so. Uh, in the beginning, there was a lot, a lot of hesitation. And I, I found that when we had done something like that with the same leader every day, there was a lot less feedback, but once everybody knew, Hey, we're taking turns and it's on a rotating basis and your, your turn is next and your turn is the day after that. And your turn is the day after that. People all start to work more together because they are just interacting with each other and they learn. And I'm seeing that it's actually created quite a bit of confidence in all of the team members uh, by knowing that they have the ability uh, to lead, to lead the meeting. Yeah. I, I always like that. There's a, there's a famous phrase this, you know, there's loads of business books, you know, it's the sort of thing Simon Sinek would say. And it was like, you know, you've had some guy who worked for Toyota or Ford and it's like, you've had my hands for 30 years. And if you asked, you could have had my brain too. (laughs) Have you ever heard that? No, I don't think I've heard that one. He is a great author though, Simon. Yeah. It was, it was, it was was that type of thing. And, you know, when people, and, you know, Covey says the same thing, you know, no involvement, no commitment is, um, is a big thing. So, um, I am reluctantly going to let you go. Tracy, um, where's the best place to find you and your 
internet empire online. Yeah, thanks, Bernie. But probably the best place is to go to Wishlist Member. Um, and we also have another product that's called Course Cure for building uh, courses for your membership site as well. But Wishlist Member is our flagship product, and that's the easiest way. Uh, that's great. Um, thank you very much for your time today. I always really, really enjoy speaking with you. And um, ladies and gentlemen, if you go to tech, if you haven't heard or you're not in the Slack channel, if you go to techlondon.io, because we're calling into NT, there's a, um, you, you and click to join the membership. There's a one pound fee to join to, because that keeps out all the spammers. And then you'll get access to a lot of London-centered entrepreneurs, creators, startup founders, and people talking about how to make stuff happen in 2023. And it's alive and kicking. Thank you very much for your time today again, Tracy. Do you want to say anything before we go? Yeah, I just want to say thanks for having me, Bernie. It's always uh, great catching up with you as well. And uh, I know that you've already established a great community, uh, people in the co-working space, but I just want to encourage everybody to stick with that. I think it's really important uh, for your entrepreneurial journey uh, to have a great community like that. So kudos to you guys. Thanks very much, Tracy. Um, thanks for your time and attention today, folks. And be careful out there. It is a jungle. You've been listening to The Tech London Show. If you're interested in joining the community or even making an appearance on this show, make sure you join our Slack group over at techlondon.io. Till next time. <laughs>